Good evening, Canes fans, and we are proud to welcome you back to the Rod the Podcast for our 12th episode. Thanks for hanging with us during the hiatus. Uh, Mike, you haven't been busy or anything, have you? I've been relaxing. What's that on your hand? A watch. A watch? <laughs> no, that's your wrist. I'm talking about that uh, ring on your... Uh, your oh, my ring finger. Fi- yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a piece of metal. For, for, for those that don't know or didn't listen to the last episode, um, Mike has, of course, gotten married. And, and we do have a clip that's about four minutes long that, you know, I think we're going to post at some point. But uh, we're going to keep that in the box for now. Um, thank you for being with us. We're happy to be back behind the mics. Uh, see if we remember how to do this. But jam-packed episode tonight. Uh, previewing the season. It's here Thursday night. Uh, Canes at home versus the Islanders, and which should, you know, no doubt be a Outstanding contest, terrific energy in PNC Arena, and we're excited for it. Mike, any thoughts before we get going? No, it should be an interesting season. Um, I'm excited to watch how it unfolds for sure. Well, the fans are going to hear what we think tonight as far as, you know, projections, player projection, point totals, how we think the team's going to do, who we think is going to win the Stanley Cup, all those fun things. But first, I think with the announcement today, I think there's no better jumping off point in previewing the season than the initial roster. Mike, you want to give us a quick rundown? Yeah, so we got the 23-player roster. Um, There's more than 23, but we'll get into detail about that. So we got Aho, Natchez, Svechnikov, Trochek, uh, Kotkaniemi, Taravainen, Stahl, Niederreiter, Faust, Stepan, Martinuk, Lorenz, Drury, Jarvis, Slavin, D'Angelo, Shea, Pesci, Cole, Bear, Brendan Smith, not CJ Smith. Don't get confused there. Anderson, Ranta, McAniemi, and then we've got Gardner on LTIR, and then we had Jamison Reese on non-roster injured, which, to be completely honest with you, I have no idea what that is. You know, we're, we're supposed to be the experts, quote unquote, but uh, I don't know what that is either. So we're going to move forward. I think the one note that I would make comment on is, is Trocek's currently on IR, but the team expects him to play Thursday. So that means one of these guys will be going down uh, at some point. But, you know, besides the usual suspects, um, there are, to me, you know, two names that, that really stand out here uh, that I think we need to dive into. And uh, before we take a victory lap, I do think, you know, it's, it's nice to pat ourselves on the back every once in a while because the roster kind of fleshed out exactly how we predicted it, including Drury and Jarvis still being here. And so those are two guys I want to talk about now. Um, Mike, I know you expected at least Jarvis to be here. You were higher on Drury than me, uh, but they're both still here. What is our initial impression of, of them making the uh, first installment of the official roster uh, do we expect him to hang around? Do we expect him to play a role? Or are these guys going to be healthy scratches? I'm curious to see what happens. I think Drury will spend most of the season in the AHL, to be totally honest. I think he'll get a better opportunity to play regular minutes as a North American professional, um, making his jump over from Europe. Um, so I'm curious. I like Drury's game. It's just we have the most depth we've ever had in the organization. So he's going to have to be head and shoulders above a veteran to beat out a veteran. A lot of guys have earned the right to be in the roster. And so for him to be in every game, he's going to have to earn that spot. So we'll see what Rod has in mind. We'll have a better idea of it as we get through a couple games. I think the Jarvis situation is a little more unique. I think first and foremost, they have to get him as a professional and not have him go back to the WHL. So they need to burn that uh, contract, which I believe is after nine games played. So your 10th NHL game, you can then return to the AHL as opposed to being sent back to juniors. Jarvis by no means should be in juniors that's not where his development point is at right now with that being said rob brendamore has made statements about how he's a quick learner he has a lot of the natural skills that are not as easily taught so if he's a quick learner and he gets his shot to play in a couple games and he shows quick improvement i mean 
I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an Ajo situation where he gets here, he sticks, and he plays. So we could see that. And then I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something more like a nature situation where he comes, he plays a couple games, he sees what he needs to improve on, they send him down to the AHL, he gets more minutes and thrives down there. So I think those are the two storylines for those guys to watch for the for the beginning of the season, the first month or so. Yeah, and I think you did a really great job delineating that. And, and for me, we're talking about two distinctly different scenarios. And in Jack Drury, we got a kid that, you know, has all the, all, all the ability to be a contributor, but the ceiling's a little less high. And so for him to unseat someone in this lineup, I, I just don't think he's there yet. You have too many veterans in a win-now team. I think he'd probably benefit for, from a year in the A and just growing his game that way and being a you know, a difference maker at the AHL level. Jarvis, we're talking about, as you alluded to, a situation where this kid kid is kind of in a scenario where he either makes the NHL roster or he's in juniors. And for his development path, as you said, it, it can't be in juniors. The difference between Drury and Jarvis, though, is that Jarvis, you, you touched on this when you were talking about Drury, but I, I think it applies to Jarvis. He has been noticeable in these preseason games. He has been a difference maker. He looks like a guy that could be a contributor. And I think the better comparison is, to me, it reminds me of Marty Natchez. Marty Natchez did the same thing a few years ago um, and, and you know, played a couple games in the NHL. And then just it was apparent he wasn't right quite where he needed to be. Um, Jarvis has been incredibly noticeable a difference-making player, and he's kind of played up and down the lineup, lineup which has been kind of interesting. Uh, as we get into kind of the next segment here, I envision him starting the year, at, at least on the third line. I, I think they're going to give him a, a legit shot. I, I do. Um, and I think that's a good thing. It's gonna We're going to find out real quick, though, because they don't have, you know, he's gonna, he may play nine games, but they can't burn those games if he's getting, you know, bullied in the defensive end or just isn't playing his assignments or where he needs to be. But you got to trust Rod to, to bring guys along. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world as long as he is in the A for his development. And there's really no bad choice there. But you want to get into the lines. And fortunately, it's it's not too much different than what we've been predicting for a while. But there is a change kind of in the top uh, top six. And so I, I think you want to start there uh, with Ajo, centering Natchez, and Svetch. Yeah, so I think... Like we talked about in previous episodes, Svetch has earned that right to be a top-line guy and to stick there. And even if things aren't going well, he deserves to be there and work through them. I don't think that's going to be the case for him, but it's a no-brainer. Ajo and Svetch were no-brainers there. Natchez has every year elevated his play. He's done everything the organization has asked. He's waited his turn. I think... You got to give him a shot on the top line. It looks like there's a chance he will have that shot. And worst case scenario, right? You've he's he's on your second line, but sure. that's no, got to be where I, you I think start. that's great. And what it does, and so if that's your top line and your your second line is Trocek, Kotkaniemi, and Teravainen, what it does is you on each line you have that that second line everyone can take faceoffs, but you you have a right shot in Trocek with two left shots. Well, now on the top line, you have Ajo and Svetch who are left shots with Natchez, who's a right shot, which gives you a nice balance because when Ajo, Svetch, and Turbo play together, they're all left shots. I think it just gives you a little bit more lineup flexibility, but it puts your six most talented offensive players together, which I think is the point, and I think they're finally ready to commit to that, which is a really great sign. Yeah, for sure. And to be totally honest with you, and we'll see because... Turbo isn't a big practice guy. He's not a big preseason guy. And we talk about Jarvis in the lineup. And a spot that I could see Jarvis going is I could see you playing Turbo with Niederreiter and Stahl if Turbo's not up to speed game one, game two. And I could see you slotting Jarvis with Trocek and Kokaniemi and just giving him a, an opportunity for a few games because you got to you gotta get him at least into the AHL. So he's going to have to be on the NHL roster and he's going to have to play some games. So, Yeah, and he's not a – Turbo is, is not a guy that, in my opinion, he, he's easily one of your top six forwards. I don't think there's yeah, any doubt sure. there. He's probably one of your top four forwards. But he is not going to be, you know, derailed by the fact he's playing on the third line. He, 
he's played with Stahl and Nino before. That that wouldn't be a a huge deal as long as he's getting his minutes. I don't really care. And th- those top three lines typically roll about an even number of playing time. So that's not that big of a deal. If you believe or if Rod believes that Trocek and KK would be a better pairing for offense with Jarvis, I- I'd be cool with that. It's just making sure we got those top nine guys, uh, putting him the best opportunity to succeed. And, and for me, as we get into our projected third line, which currently for the team is stall Niederreiter and Faust, Niederreiter and Faust, I would slide it slot in Jarvis there and then move Foss to the fourth line. Um, I, I think that's probably a really easy fit for everyone with, with probably who you pulling out there though, was Stepan Martin, and Lorenz who's coming out of the lineup. If you're ins- inserting Jarvis, I mean, it's, I mean, Stepan's going to be your center. So he's probably not going to come out. Martin Nook's not going to come out. Still as wearing a, a letter as we yeah. know. Yeah. So I guess it would have to be Lorenz, but I, I would view Stepan and Lorenz as, as fairly interchangeable game to game. Uh, I think Jury is probably healthy scratch to start. But the focus for this team, and if they're going to get where they want to go, that, that fourth line's comparatively very good compared to other teams, but it's about the top nine. And can these guys make the jump? Can that top line make the jump into the elite category? You know, I think it's considered you know, in the top 10 range, traditionally Svech, Aho, Teravainen. But can this collection of guys maybe push for top five? Because if that happens, then you're talking about a team that's raised itself into a different category. Because of how I've phrased it going into the year, I think they're in the six to 10 range, as we'll talk about a little later, whereas last year they're in the top four range. Well, if those guys make the jump, you're back into that top four category, uh, which could be the difference in the season. I think the second line is going to be a lot more potent I like what I've seen from from KK in the preseason. Uh, it, it's no doubt a talented team. And, and for this early, you know, forget the scores, throw all that stuff out. But they look like they have chemistry and uh, I'm excited to see them play. Yeah. And I think you look at the first line and Aho, Natchez and Svechnikov is going to be a line that plays very fast and takes a lot of or creates a lot of high danger opportunities, right? That's going to be a line that looks to capitalize on turnovers and anything along those lines. They're going to play really fast. And then you look at Trocek, Kokaniemi, Kokaniemi and Teravainen. You have Kokaniemi and Teravainen as two guys that are excellent in terms of puck possession, right? So that's a line that you can kind of get into the zone, sit in the zone and set up your play, work it around and, find Trocek to finish a player. Yeah, and, and Trocek's a them. great two-way player, and so is, so is KK. So, I mean, all those guys can go up and down. I think my concern with how it's currently constructed with the top line is can that group, Aho, Natchez, Fetch, on the road avoid getting bullied by other teams' top lines? They're going to have to, right? Because the, yeah. you got two guys that are, you know, Aho has shown himself to be a, a really good two-way player, still struggles a little bit with physicality, Natchez was much better uh, a year ago than he was the, you know, his, his true rookie year. Svech been pretty up and down defensively, obviously has the body to do it and physicality to do it. You know, just a little inconsistent with the stick infractions. You just worry that that group can get exposed by other teams, top lines. That's my only concern, but I think they're also going to put a lot of stress on the other team, which at least early in the year, I want to see, let's, let, let, let's, you know, rocket fuel this thing and and see if they can be the aggressor for 82 games. And I think it starts with this top six. Yeah, for sure. And like I was alluding to the top line is going to have to be your line. That's just offensively dangerous all the time. I think they will be your second line has great potential to be a puck possession line. Your third line is going to be the line. We've always seen it be if it's stall Niederreiter and Foss, that's going to be a line that grinds you down and the way the the team's constructed is no matter who's in the lineup your fourth line is going to do that too and you have another fourth line in the in the wings right we have several guys in the hl you have jury jarvis you have a lot of nhl caliber players that aren't in these top four lines as currently constructed so you got to like that from a injury standpoint there's a lot of coverage for injuries right now and just be from roster competition within. I think it's in a really healthy spot for the forward group. Yeah, I mean, to your point, terrific organizational depth, as they would say, especially in the forward group, uh, which is kind of amazing considering what what it was like when Tom Dundon took over. Um, Last thing before we get into kind of player projections, talking about that third line, I, I mentioned earlier that I thought the difference could be 
Aho or Svetch or Natchez, that top group kind of taking the next step into the elite category. I think another aspect of that is, do you regress if Stahl and Niederreiter come back to earth a little bit this year? Because as we go into player projections, I'm not envisioning Stahl, you know, keeping up the same points per game pace. You know, he scores, has 38 points in 52 games when he, you know, barely cracked 40 over 82 games for the majority of his career here in Carolina. Uh, We all know Nino can be a little Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, potted 20 goals in 54 games last year, but the year before couldn't sniff one. So that can also be the difference. We're talking regression there, but Starting with Sebastian Ajo, I think there's no better jumping off point than, you know, the current best player on the Hurricanes. I'm setting an over-under at 90.5 points. Are you taking over-under there? Is he is he getting over 90 points this year? I'm going under on that, and I can tell you exactly how many Please. points I think he's going to get. I have Ajo going 35-52 for 87 this year. I, say, I was told there would not be math. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like um, to throw. I like to throw things off a little so bit. So I'm also going under, but I'm I'm right at the line. I I think he touches 90 this year, um, with 39 goals. That's that's kind of where I'm feeling. What's the math there? 39 and what, Jordan? Don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> Come Was on. It, would now. it be um, 51? 51. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, next, the largest contract in Kane's history. The golden boy, the franchise, does he make the jump this year? Does he break 40? Does he get out of the funk that he had uh, just a year ago and become one of the preeminent wingers in the NHL? What do you got for Andrei Svechikov? So Svech, I have him at exactly a point a game player this year. Love it. I have him at 33 goals and 49 assists for 82 points. Okay. I have him at 78 points and 42 goals. Okay, so you have him putting the puck in the net. Putting the puck in the net. He's he's playing with some playmakers. Um, I projected this jump last year. I thought he'd be more of a, a potent goal scorer. He's he's a terrific playmaker, and so maybe I'm underestimating him there, especially by giving him 42 goals. That math's probably not good enough on the assist column, but I think the guy makes the jump. I wouldn't be shocked if he broke 80 points this year, and you know I, I'm I'm the biggest fan. I, I he's going to be a superstar. He just continues to develop. Um, Another guy on a similar trajectory with maybe a slightly lower ceiling, the third member of our current first line, Martin Natchez. Great golf partner today, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> Harry, Styles Harry Styles himself. With him, him and Ajo just hitting the links. Mr. The combo we didn't, The combo sugar. we didn't know we needed. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got for uh, Marty, Marty Nachos? I've got him at 69 points because nice. I was feeling 70, but I just said, for good luck, we're going to go 69. So I have him putting 24 in the back of the net with 45 assists. I really like that projection. I like that one a lot. Um, in my mind, him with 69 points um, probably means you got some Rod Blin- Blindamore. <laughs> I yeah, didn't mean to do blender. that. Put him in the blender so he wouldn't be playing with Aho and Svetch all year. But I, I think those are really good projections. Um, I'll have him at slightly lower, uh, 68, but 25 goals. So subtract one, add one. All right. So you're going 25 and 43, eh? Yep. For 68. I like it. My prediction wasn't as nice as yours. Yeah. Nice. Um, we're not going to go player by player. I think we just wanted to point out a few. Um, I have Trocek at 64 points. Um, Tara Vinen at 71. Um, any thoughts there? For Trocek, I mean, it's it's health, right? Sure. I think I would be more comfortable betting on points per game for Trocek, and I probably have him around 0.85 points per game, and it just depends on how many sure. on how many games he plays. Which is, that's a similar range as to where I had him. It's just, you know, if he misses time again, that can derail the whole thing. And then Turbo. Turbo is where, how does Rod utilize him, right? Right. He could, is he on power play one? Is he playing second line minutes? Is he playing first line minutes? Is he playing third line minutes? I mean, as weird as it can be, I I can see him anywhere from 60 to 90 points. I mean, it just depends on the role and utilization and health and, 
I, I don't think he's going sub 60. It's probably better just to shoot the middle and have him around, you know, low 70s. Yeah. Um, but well, obviously, like, a yeah. incredibly talented player, but we're also being pretty generous in the, these point totals. We've never had a team really produce this many guys in this range. So For sure. uh, I'm not trying to be too homery. I'm, I'm just saying somewhere in the 60 to 90 range. And it's all utilization. But for fairness, 71. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a perfect example of when Rod was talking and saying like, yeah, you could be a guy that scores 30 goals and blah, 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 and not be the best result for the team right or you can be a guy that scores 20 plays a different role I think you could see that being turbo I could see turbo focusing on being more of a shutdown forward and getting more matchups against first lines I could see him being a guy like like he's been in the past doing a lot of penalty killing and doing a lot of that heavy lifting which is going to make his totals and points most likely drop a little bit with that being said his value is just as high as ever so Sure. We'll just like have we to said, see. Who knows what his role will be, but he's one of the top you know, four to six forwards on the team, and we, we really feel confident in him. A guy we maybe feel less confident in, we don't really know what to think. Uh, the, the newest addition to the team, uh, former number three overall pick, Jesperi Kakanimi. I said it right. Go me. You're doing um, great. <laughs> doing great, sweetie. Um, what are we thinking there? Do you have any idea what to think? I mean, yeah, I think it's just think, a guy yeah. that breaks 40 points. For- I think so. I, I think he's going to take steps this year. Temper your expectations. He's not going to get $6 million worth of points, but I, I see him in the mid forties. I guessed around 17 goals and 27 assists, putting him at 44 is where I had kind of seen how can the go? So it, we'll I, I think see. that's a good way to frame it because obviously both of those would be career highs with his previous totals being both from his rookie year career high and goals is 11 points is 34. So those would be really great numbers for him. I think the disappointment level would be if he produced the numbers you predicted, if he played on the second line the whole year, but I kind of envision him being a blend between the second and third line. And if he's kind of playing great defense and, you know, great sound defensive two-way hockey, and spends a lot of time with Jordan Stahl. I, I'm really pumped about you know the numbers that you said. Um, I also think he'll be in the the 40 50 range on points. Uh, I'll go 46 uh, and hmm, 16. Uh, did you say 17? I said 17. Yeah. I gotta give more than one buffer. Um, I'll go 15. Keep it low. All right. It was either that I was going 20, and I was like, ah, uh, I don't know. 15 and then 31 for 46. Yeah. Maybe I should go 19. Someone's got to be scoring these goals. I got too many assists. <laughs> ah, we got goals. We got goals. We'll be all right. You got I guess I did give 42 in the net, so you're all right. You got <laughs> 42, with 42 and not breaking 80 is uh, questionable, but yeah, I we'll think, see. I think if Kokaniemi or Kokaniemi is your sixth or seventh player in, ter- in terms of point totals, you're very happy. Absolutely. So... Uh, last two guys offensively we wanted to talk about, and I don't think we're going to give specifics on them. I'm just going to give you an over and under on these guys and give me a yes or a no. Sure. Um, Jordan Stahl, 48 and a half points. I'm going to take the over cause I could see him. I see him in the low fifties probably. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that projection. I have him in the 46 to 48 range. So I, I'd go just under. Um, regressing back to the mean a little bit after an, a year he pr- overproduced. And then Nina Ryder, give me fuel, give me fire, 23 and a half goals. Man, he's so tough to predict because he can get hot. And when he gets hot, it just seems like he's scoring every other game and then he can go cold and not score for four months. Um, so. That's a tough one, and I don't see him getting as much second-line play, and I'm not sure where he shakes out on the power play. So you said 23-and-a-half. Probably going to take the under, and I think it's going to be close. I think that's a good prediction um, because he's only gone over 23 uh, twice in his career with one push, and the push was the first year he came here and he scored 14 in 36 games, which was wild. But... In 2019-2020, only had 11 and 67 games. 
Uh, and then last year obviously was hot again, 20 and 56. So ultimate wild card was clearly on pace for more than 23 last year. Um, I think he's going to be in the 18 to 22 range and I'm taking the under. Yeah. Just like you said, utilization, um, looking for 10 goals and 25 points as a hope for the fourth line guys, but that's so hit or miss. And, yeah, mm. you know, as long as they're playing good two-way hockey and they're controlling the game, as we've seen Kane's fourth lines do, I think we're all pleased. Yep. Um, the the one big talking point on the back end, and, and it looks like he's going to be playing with Jacob Slavin, is, of course, Tony D'Angelo. Um, the, the Dougie Hamilton, quote-unquote, replacement, um, in my opinion, looked a little shaky defensively, at least in that game that we attended versus Nashville. Um, but, hey, they got him on the first power play. He clearly is a good puck mover. Um, skates, I think the true differentiator, and we were talking about that game, skates much better than Hamilton. Mm -hmm. um, what are we feeling for him? Because they need something substantial uh, to replace the hole left behind by number 19. So, I mean, the defense isn't going to be great. That's just, I mean, it's Tony D'Angelo. He's an offensive defenseman through and through. Um, I think he's going to be in the high 40s for points. I had him at 48 with 12 goals and 36 assists. I think he's just going to be a, a power play guy. I think Slavin's going to do his best job to cover him up defensively and Hopefully, I mean, if we can replace a, a decent portion of Dougie's contribution, I think the rest of the lineup is built really strongly. And I think the third pairing, like we've talked about in the past, is massively improved. So if if they can do just 75% of Dougie's produ production, then I think, I think the team is totally fine. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've been calling for the whole time, is if he could provide you know, 75 to 80% of the production for a ninth of the cost, it's a win for the team. Uh, seems like he's assimilated to the lineup, and um, guys are, for the most part, enjoying playing with him. He's hearing nothing but good reports so far, which is a good sign. Who knows if that changes at some point. But in my opinion, point total, I mean, you, you need him to be... 45 at least, right? I mean, that's kind of the minimum if he's, you know, the the point guy on your power play, um, the PP quarterback for, you know, what was one of the top units in the league last year. I'll, I'll say 48 and uh, 12 goals. So we're the same. Oh, did we really? Yeah. I'll change that up. Um, 49 <laughs> and 12 goals. Okay. <laughs> I think you Make had 15 goals, didn't you? No, 12 and 36. Jeez, I, I was paying attention. 12, um, and you're 12 and 36. I had one more point, yeah. So as of now, it looks like Brett Pesci is uh, quarterbacking the, the second power play unit. I think you'll probably see some um, rotation there. Uh, we know what we're getting from Slavin and, and Pesci, and you know maybe we see uh, Ethan Bear get an opportunity to, to quarterback uh, the second unit at some point. But those are all the guys that we're going to detail point totals for because the rest are just kind of unpredictable. Um Feeling how we feel about the goalie situation. I know Auntie Ranta really struggled uh, in the preseason, but it's the preseason. I'm not too concerned. He hadn't played. He, you know, he'd been hurt. Um, he's a pro. He'll figure it out. Any thoughts? I think the thought process behind Anderson and Ranta is if this team gets to the playoffs, we're better suited to make a run. I think I don't know how the regular season metrics will shake out. Um, I think we're upgraded at both starting and backup goalie. I think this team is going to take a little bit of time, right? Anderson being a positional goalie, you got to figure out your, your defense has to figure out where you like shooters to be pushed to and all that stuff. And there's a learning curve there a little bit. Obviously Rod makes a joke. Their only job is to save the puck. So they're not hard to blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is they have to get used to the players in front of them a little bit so that they understand how to read the play. You have to know what your teammates are going to do before you make your decision. And once that becomes instinct, I think both guys will shape up well. Hopefully they stay healthy, but I think they are set to have a uh, better mentality. Anderson is known for having ice in his veins. It hasn't always worked out, but if we can get to a spot where this team gets hot late in the year 
and he's feeling himself, then I think we'll be in a really good position. Yeah, so we, we're both very much on record that even if the numbers regress this year, we feel better about the goalie situation. Regression's inevitable from how they performed last year from an ex- expected goal standpoint. It'll be interesting to see how Ned plays in Detroit and, and Peter is uh, how he does in Toronto. To your point, I I 100% believe it's how do these two guys show up in the playoffs, which is ironic because Frederick Anderson hasn't been terrific in the playoffs. But I think after a year of kind of settling in the system, you feel like with two veteran guys, health pending, uh, that you're in a better spot. I I know I do, and um, I'm a firm believer in that. The, The interesting thing was I was listening to the new 31 Thoughts episode previewing the Eastern Conference on the way over here, and their critique about this team was, was not what I expected. It's not like what you read on The Athletic. Um, if you don't have an athletic subscription, definitely worth it. But, you know, predicting a precipitous drop off because of Hamilton and of and the goalies, too. But um, Elliot Friedman talking about how his only concern with this team was the goaltending. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of been the reoccurring thing for this organization for a long time. But you could make the argument these are the two most veteran established guys they've had here, even if the performance of the two, you know, Anderson and Ranta hasn't merited, you know, you know, stellar status. I, you're telling me at this point we would have believed in, in Ned, you know, a year ago. This organization has a funny way of uh, getting a, for years where they didn't get the, you know, expected, you know, average goaltending. They just kind of manufacture it now. It's the system and the guys that they have playing in front of them. I feel really good about where the, the goaltending's at. Yeah, and to be completely honest with you, I don't think there's anything that if they both come out and are not good and for are continuously not good, I don't think there's anything stopping them from going and knocking on some doors and seeing what's available. So, I uh, I hope the team is operates as win now and aggressive as they say they're going to and 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 the point you like to make is the roster now is not what it'll be at the trade deadline and i I think that's something we got to remember uh moving forward speaking of moving forward it's time let's kind of put our money where our mouth is uh let's let's predict the the standings of the metro how many points and what record we think the canes will have this year and give me your western conference finalist your Eastern Conference finalists, and we'll pick a winner. Um, you ready? Yeah, for sure. All right. Starting at number eight, who do you have in the Metro? I have New Jersey at eight. So I, he has New Jersey, which I was a little surprised with. And, yeah. and I know you disagree with them signing Dougie. I think it's a move for next year. But you are hearing a lot of people talk about how they could be a dark horse contender for the playoffs. Clearly, neither of us considered them one because I have them at seven. My number eight team is the number eight team is the Columbus Blue Jackets, complete rebuild. But I think we both agree that those are the bottom two teams. Yeah, I just I have I'm not bought into New Jersey at all. To be totally <laughs> honest, all. like I just don't see like I think even if if Hamilton was your play for next year, I just I mean you're going to be better, but it just the requires metros. jumps from so many. Like it would have to be the perfect storm. It's yeah. Hamilton is elite. Your former number one overall picks both make big jumps. Massive Mc- jumps. Mackenzie Blackwood becomes a bona fide number one. And then people that you don't expect step up. And hey, we, we've seen teams catch lightning in a bottle, but I'm not seeing it happen. The Metro, to your point, just way too tough this year. Uh, so those are our number seven and eight teams in Columbus and New Jersey, respectively. Uh, we share the same number six team. And I really want to pivot off this, but I'm not going to. Let's keep Philadelphia at six. Yeah, I mean, they've made... Talk the, about a dark horse. I mean, they they, they were so yeah. good the year before, were terrible in the East last year, and now we're sitting here at six, and I'm going, I don't know. I think that, I mean, there's a you lot of potential. You could make an argument. Yeah. Three, four, One, five, and yeah. six could all flip-flop at any point. I don't think... Any of the teams we have at three, four, five, or six are locks for their yeah, position you, you at could, all. I could paint a picture where all the studs for Philadelphia have resurgent years, how we expected them to last year, and they win the Metro. Or they could tank again, and they're they're terrible. More likely than not, the, the truth somewhere in the middle. That's why I kind of wanted to, m- to move to five, but I think six is a good spot based on what we know now and what Carter Hart has shown thus far. 
uh, in his career? I think anyone that we have at three, four, five, or six is three, four, five, or six with the potential to be three. That's just the reality, right? Because I think I I feel like there is a top two teams in the Metro, and then I feel like there's that middle pack that is just going to abuse them each other for the entire season, and it's just going to be who can stay healthy, who has players that don't regress, or who has players that make great leaps and bounds forward. So, Well, well speaking of, of great leaps and bounds, my number five team, who is not yours, is, is the New York Rangers, a team that, you know, if, if New Jersey has some buzz, the Rangers definitely have some buzz. And it's a team that started out terribly last year and caught fire towards the end in what I think was the toughest division in hockey, the East. Um, I would not be shocked if the Rangers were a playoff team. I think they have, they check a lot of boxes. They're young, supremely talented. I think they're the team in my mind that, that mostly mimics where Carolina was a few years ago with maybe even potentially, you know, better goaltending upside. Uh, if Shesterkin is the guy that I think he is candidly, um, this one feels wrong. I just could not put them above Pittsburgh or Washington just yet. And maybe this is a year I get burned for it, but you have Washington at five. I have Washington at five. I think it's, I think it's the end of the road. I think we're getting close to a rebuilding time there in Washington. I have people I know that won't like to hear that. Um, (laughs) I think I know you're talking about Chandler's not going to love that. Um, it's, I mean, when you have the run that they've had, it's inevitable, especially with salary cap. So I have them at five. Honestly, they, I mean, like we, like I said, five, but could be third. I do favor the Rangers a little bit. I think they have more potential. And if the team plays to the level that I think they can, they're super dangerous, and I mean, it starts in in net. I, I'm a big believer in Shesterkin. I think he's going to be the next great Rangers goalie. So we'll see what happens there. And then, I mean, they've got a solid crop of forwards. I mean, the returning Norris winner, former uh, Carolina Hurricane Adam Fox, legend. <laughs> so I mean, you got guys that that in that lineup. It's it's going to happen, right? Yeah. Kako, Lafreniere, I mean... Yeah, that's no, just, you're making me feel like I should Zibana have them in the playoffs, but I, Panarin, I'm sticking to it. I mean, and the list goes on. They, they, they're they pretty rich with talent. Can they capitalize on it? I think they will. I think they will be a wild card team out of the Metro. All right, so from now, this point forward, we both have four teams coming out of the Metro and four teams coming out of the Atlantic, so... From this point forward, every team would be a playoff team for us. We already talked a lot about the Rangers, who's your number four team. I have Washington. Man, they they looked about done um, last year in the playoffs. Kind of just rolled over like the, you know, it's time. Like they they have passed their window. And um, historically, though, when you get a team like this, and you've seen it out of Pittsburgh a little bit, um, teams with a lot of pride that have been champions and, and hung around, usually have one more run in them. And I, I think this is kind of it because they see the writing on the wall. Uh, and I just think Samsonov's going to play better. You know, he had such a weird year with COVID and all those things that I'm going to buy in and maybe I'll get burnt because I think if anyone drops out, it's probably them. But they made it through the East last year, uh, which I think was pretty daunting and grinded on them. This year, you get a normal format, have OV taking advantage versus some of the the weaker teams around the league and they'll find a way to get some cheap points and find their way in. Um, any more comments on the Rangers? No. All right. Our number three team uh, team certainly has some question marks, but another team that always finds themselves, you know, right in the mix, the Pittsburgh Penguins, even with Sidney Crosby hurt in camp. Uh, we both have a number three. Tell me what you think. Like I said, the whole three to six range, if the team stay gets healthy and then stays healthy right and i just they're they're always going to commit to winning because they've got crosby and malkin they're going to make the moves they need to make they're a team that's win now for however long it's been now if things hit hiccups if there are injuries i see them dropping very fast 
I put them at third because the potential, I think they have greater potential than Washington. And I don't think the Rangers have surpassed them yet. Um, but they could honestly be, if it's injuries, if it's players falling off, if it's bad moves by the GM, they could easily be six for me. But they get the placeholder of third considering recency bias and just the fact that that organization is going to do whatever it takes to win. Right, and they, they have championship pedigree. They did win that Eastern Division last year, East Division, um, through the injuries. And so I, I think the question with them is, to me, it's goaltending. Do, do they have enough? Um, but I love the coach. I think he's doing a tremendous job. And I, I'm going to just bet on Sidney Crosby um, because I don't think he's slowed down that much. And so they're kind of a placeholder there, but I do think they're a playoff team. However, to your point, when these older teams go, it goes fast. And, hey, that could definitely happen this year. I don't even want to say it, but going into my number two team, I have our Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I don't see them winning two division championships in a row. I, I, I think the Metro is going to be a different beast for them, but I think they're firmly in the playoffs. Although uh, throughout the off season, I may have painted a, a different picture. I, I wanted to put them at three. They, they strike me as a third place team, but I just couldn't jump, you know, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Washington, or the Rangers over them. Carolina is just deeper, more talented. Uh, and if I believe the goaltending situation is better, they can't be anything lower than two. Um, so I have the Canes at two. Who's your number two team? I had the Islanders, and I think that it's honestly a toss-up. Um, the Islanders are great. They're they're built for the playoffs. Um, and we'll see. I mean, Carolina, the only concern I would have with them, because they're obviously my number one, and the Islanders are obviously your number one. The only concern I have with Carolina is their start with all the turnover how quickly do they gel? Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that they're a playoff team, and there's no doubt in my mind that they are a team capable of making a deep run. It's just where are they going to dig themselves a little bit of a hole as they figure things out? Like, where are we going to be in that regard? Yeah. I gave them one just because I think they're the deepest team. Honestly, I think the Islanders are right there with them, but I'm going to... I'm going to give it to the hometown team. I like that. And I don't think that's a homer pick by you. I, I think my concern is kind of what you touched on and why I don't have them at one. But I'm also going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here a little bit. The reason they're at two for me is a lot of the same things you said. But also, as they're struggling to gel, if you look at the schedule, there are minimal home games through the first two months. You know, they have a westward swing. And it's like a team that's trying to find its identity that had so much turnover then doesn't have the opportunity to play at home games versus common opponents, I think may struggle even more. So they might be digging themselves out of a hole. Um, as I've also said, I'm not as bleak on them as I was before. I, I do think they're solidly a playoff team. But if you told me the Rangers got incredibly hot and all of a sudden, what are the, the touch markers in hockey? It's American Thanksgiving and the New Year's. If Canes are sitting on the border of in or out of the playoffs, I'm not shocked there too. Thankfully, they close the season with a ton of home games, and I think they'll close incredibly strong. Um, the Islanders, obviously, been the Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row. Struggle a little bit comparatively in the regular season, um, but push Tampa, who I think is the most talented team in the league, or at least they were a year ago, to the brink. I, I think they've deserved to be labeled as the number one team in the Metro. Even if they don't finish that way in the regular season, they, they're, they're going to be a playoff team. If you wanted to argue that Carolina is the better regular season team and have them at number one, as you do, all for it, I, I can get behind it. That that scenario is not outlandish to me in the slightest. However, even though Carolina has played them very well in the recent series that they have had, the Islanders just are more built for the playoffs at this point. And maybe the goaltending in Carolina will be the difference to, to turn over a new leaf. But as of now, the Islanders, for their playoff pedigree, have earned my number one slot. And I think that's fair. I think uh, I think you could see that going either way. So, And I don't think it matters at the end of the day, to be totally honest with you, because all that matters is who's playing better in March, rolling into April. So we'll see. I'm excited about the roster. I think 
we're going to get a lot of questions answered in the first month or two. And then we'll really be able to look back, reassess, and talk about some of the things that we've uh, predicted here. Yeah, we'll definitely have to go through these at like the midpoint and see if we're on pace. Um, For the record, I I have the Canes playing at 102 point pace, which is 49, 29, and 4. You had them at 105, 105 points, which is 49, 26, and 7. Obviously, the difference there is uh, I've been losing a few more in regulation. Uh, I just, you know, traditionally they've done pretty well, at least under Rod and the playoff or in shootouts and overtime. Um, But you're a little more. As expected, since they're your number one team, a little higher on them. Final thing we're going to do, quick points just so we have them. Um, For reference, I have Tampa, Toronto, Florida, and Boston as my four teams coming out of the Atlantic. You have the same four, but you have it Tampa, Florida, Toronto, Boston. Give me your Eastern Conference finalist and then your Western Conference finalist, and we'll pick a Stanley Cup finals winner and see how it looks here uh, later in the, you know, afterwards so it, it's tough because unless you bracket it all up and look at matchups and stuff there's so much to look at i honestly i mean i think you and i are going to agree on the west coast I, I don't see how it goes away from colorado and vegas over there i don't think there's a team that's gonna gonna take either one of those two teams out I'm I'm kind of curious about the Eastern Conference. I think both divisions, I think Boston's going to finish fourth, but then when Boston gets to the playoffs, like you can't discount any of these teams. I think Florida's built a great team. I think the big question mark is goaltending there for me. Um, how does Spencer Knight play? Um What's Bobrovsky look like? I mean, those that's the question mark there. Toronto's proved that they just can't do it in the playoffs. So it makes you want to say from if an Atlantic team gets there, it's going to be probably Tampa Bay. It's hard to bet against them. With that being said, I'm going to flip it and I'm going to I'm going to take their uh, in-state rival and I'm going to say it's the Florida Panthers. I like that. Florida. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, if you told me Tuca Rask ended up, you know, having surgery and signs to play with the the Bruins later in the year, and we both have them at four, would anyone be shocked if they came out of the East? No, we wouldn't. Um, I, I want Toronto. I want to say Toronto, but I can't believe they'll win a playoff series as talented as they are. Uh, so I, I stuck with chalk. And even though I think we're going to see the beginning of the end, and, and by say end, I, I'm not talking about end as in like how Pittsburgh and Washington potentially could be. Uh, I just don't think they'll win the cup again, but I'll still have Tampa in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I will have the Islanders finally getting over the hump and beating the Bolts. Who do you have playing uh, the Panthers? I have Carolina playing. Them. I would the reason, love that series. And the reason I have Carolina playing them is because I think that if you don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, then it's probably a failure. Th- right? I think that's the bar, right? So in, I'm putting them there because that's where they should be. Okay. Will they be there? Um, I don't know. But that's where they should be, so I'm going to put them there. So I have Carolina and Florida in the Eastern Conference Final, Colorado, Vegas, in my Western Conference. So we agree on the Western Conference. I also have Colorado and Vegas. I I just think the Pacific is so bad. uh, And I think Colorado is just probably the best team in the league. Um, Carolina or Florida go into the finals. If Carolina and Florida play, that means both goaltending units are playing well. At that point, it's going to, it's going to go to seven. And the question mark for me becomes, honestly, I would think who plays better, Aho or Barkov? It's the Finnish center showdown. If Aho outplays Barkov, the Cans go to the the cup. Yeah, I think if if Aho just holds serve in that matchup, yeah. they go to the final. I think you might need to outplay him because there's a lot of talent on that roster. There's a lot of talent on the Canes roster as well. I think it's going to come down to the big dogs. Let's just say it doesn't even have to be Ajo. Let's just going to say whose first line takes over because one of the first lines is going to have to outperform the yeah. other. Yeah, does Barkov and Huberto outplay Ajo and Svech? And they've been I mean, elite. Sure, so. elite. And 
don't know. I, I just when you when you compare Florida and Carolina, you know, fairly similar teams. Carolina deeper on the back end more traditionally, but it's a matchup Carolina has done really well in also. Um, but we saw even as an undermanned unit last year in the playoffs, Florida pushed Tampa a lot more than Carolina did. So I don't think what you're saying is, is wrong at all. Got to get on record, though. Who are you taking? Well, I'll say this. Florida added Reinhardt, Joe Thornton, Aaron Eckblad's back. It's going to be really tough. I would, if I was betting money and being totally candid, I would probably take Florida in seven. Hey, you're better than me. I already had the game's yeah, not going this I far, would so. probably take Florida in seven. My heart is obviously Carolina in four, but. So, it, hey, that's fine. Like I but said, I I'm, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy here. I, I already said the Canes had been eliminated. Um, I do agree with you that the standard of expectation for this team is Eastern Conference final or bust. Um, but if you took Florida over Carolina, I don't think that's a bad pick. I would hope that game would be played at PNC Arena and we would flip one in game seven for the win with the with the energy in the building. But as we got it set up now, I have Colorado versus the Islanders, and I have Colorado kind of steamrolling him to finally get over the hump and win the cup for McKinnon so he establishes himself amongst yeah. the greats. Well, goaltending right for Colorado is going to be I a like question. Kemper. Yeah, is he healthy? If Kemper is healthy... <laughs> well, that's always the question. If Kemper is healthy, I think... And, I mean, I would hope that Colorado has learned from it, right? Landis Cog is back. The team is great Kemper is probably a little bit of an upgrade in goal when healthy that team's got to be got to be in the Stanley Cup final I think if Kemper is healthy and that team is firing on all cylinders and McKinnon decides that he's going to take the series over I think Colorado wins and it's less than seven games I agree so we both have the the Avs winning the cup kind of a chalk pick as they enter the year as the favorites but a long way to go. I mean, no one predicted Montreal getting to the finals last year. And uh, even though the the chalk team won, that doesn't always happen. So get to the dance. Crazy things, you know, are known to occur in the playoffs. Uh, we will make sure to tweet out all of our predictions. And I'm looking forward to seeing who's right. I, you know, on a surface level, I like your picks a little bit more if I'm being candid. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Anything else before we get out of here, Mike? This is a fun episode. I know we're excited for Thursday. Any final thoughts? I can't wait to laugh at all of this <laughs> at the end of when the, the season. the New Jersey Devils win the Stanley Cup. Oh, if the New Jersey Devils win the Stanley Cup. We got to cancel Cup, the podcast. I don't even know what I'll do to myself. It, it's officially the Dougie Hamilton podcast if the no. Devils win the Cup. Taking home, all, taking home the heart all and the All this equipment Smythe. will be in my backyard. You can come pick it up if you want it. Well, I, I feel pretty confident that that will not be happening. So you guys are stuck with us for a little longer. But once again, thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, we appreciate it. We sorry, we're, we apologize for the long hiatus, but uh, Mike had some pretty important things to do. So I think it's totally understandable. Um, we'll see you guys in a week. We'll get to talk about some real hockey results and, and the first few games of the Carolina Hurricanes season. Mike, tell them where to find us. Make sure to click those bell notifications on whatever you are listening on right now so that every time an episode comes out, you get notified and it pops up on your homepage. As always, thanks for tuning in and be on the lookout for more Kane's content.